now Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now Come on Scooby Doo, I see you Pretending you've got silver You're not feeling me, cause I can't see The way you shake and shiver You know we got a mystery to solve So Scooby Doo, be ready for your act Don't hold back And Scooby Doo, if you come through You're gonna have yourself a Scooby Snack That's a fact Scooby Dooby Doo, be here are you You're ready and you're willing If we can count on you, be Scooby Welcome to Talking About My Generation, a, a podcast dedicated... Run, roll, Reggie. Yes. <laughs> yes. As you've heard, I'm sure, with the lead-in music, you all know what we're talking about this time around. <laughs> we have got our favorite show we're going to be talking about. I have. I am Doug Abel, and I have... For some reason, I feel that you put air quotes around favorite right there. <laughs> Well, okay. It's going to depend upon which one we're talking about. Because right. I'm going to start off right now saying I am not a fan of certain ones. And let me start off by saying that when I first started seeing some of these episodes of Scooby-Doo, such as A Pup Named Scooby-Doo and The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, okay? Let me start off by saying Pup Named Scooby-Doo, when I first saw it, it was not one of my favorite shows. I didn't mm-hmm. like it at first. Mm-hmm. It was, and a lot of it was because it wasn't exactly what I expected it to be. And I, I did grow to like it. So it, that's one thing. It's it, it's still not my favorite compared to the original series Scooby Doo. Where are you? See, <laughs> I know, I know. See, oh, okay, so. Two of your least favorites are A Pup Named Scooby-Doo and 13 Ghosts. And, okay, Flim Flam aside, 13 Ghosts and A Pup Named Scooby-Doo are two of my absolute favorites in franchise. (laughs) Because when Tom Ruger and company did Pup, it was at the time that all the studios were doing the kids, like there was Flintstones kids, there was... Captain Caveman and his kids and this is a whole bunch of stuff. Oh yeah. So you know, I mean, the the oh my god, let's you know, let's see what they were doing with their kids and and or when they were kids and whatever. And and I know we're not talking about this, but I have to bring it up since it is part of the kids thing here. The Flintstones kids. Nothing really changed between what the adult Flintstones are and what the kid Flintstones are. The I mean, it was still, it was like a kiddified version of the Honeymooners, just like the Flintstones is an homage to the Honeymooners. Um, oh, yeah. But A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, I, first of all, the theme song was amazing. Oh. I absolutely love that music. Okay, let, let me start off by saying, this is going to be really weird, but... A Pup Named Scooby-Doo's theme song is probably one of my favorite theme songs for, for a cartoon show. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I, you know, I, 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 I apologize because I should know who did this. I <laughs> don't know who performed the theme song music or, or who I actually wrote it. So. I think I could be wrong, and I'm going to look here, but I think it might have been Bruce Broughton, but I'm not sure. Because I know Bruce did the... Um 
he did the Tiny Toons uh, theme song, so I'm not too sure. But because um, <clears throat> I, I I don't know why I'm having a vision that to- that Randy Rogel did it, but I don't think he played any part with anything that Tom Rogel yeah. until you know Warner Brothers or um, yeah. you know Warner you're, Brothers animation stuff. So. You're not gonna believe this. Is it him? No, it's neither one of them. Okay, it's John Debney. What? John Debney. Okay. The guy, the guy that scored things like Jetsons the movie. Um, let's see here. Uh, Johnny's Golden Quest, Hocus Pocus, The Halloween Tree, The Town, the town Santa Forgot, uh, White Fang 2. Ugh, White Fang 2. Yeah. Um, House Guest. Oh, boy. Uh, getting Away with Murder. Wow. He did some Doctor Who stuff. He did a Doctor Who television film in 1996. Oh, um, God, the horrible one, yes. <laughs> the Eighth Doctor. I, I, that's one of those ones that a lot of us Whovian fans would rather forget, but it's out yeah. there. So, yeah. More recently, John Debney has done stuff like uh, Spider-Man 2. He, did a, he had additional music on that. I know Danny Elfman was mostly the... The main on that, but um, Zathura, the Ant Bully, uh, Idle Wild, Everyone's Hero. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to get to the 2010s here. He did the score for Iron Man 2. Um, more recently, in the last two years or so, he did The Call, Draft Day, Alex Cross, The Three Stooges, uh, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. Um, God. Coming up uh, next year, he's got Clifford the Big Red Dog, The Jungle Book, Mary Mother of Christ, and Hacksaw Ridge. <clears throat> but yeah, John John Debney. Um, he also, I believe, was he the guy behind the... There was a little television miniseries. Um, oh, you know, uh, you know what the coolest thing about this guy is and why he's so... Um, <laughs> He's the son of Disney Studios producer Louis Debney, who did Zorro, the Mickey Mouse Club, all that stuff. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, he did a, a really, really cool um, uh, score for a television miniseries. Uh, it was through um, um, multiple channels. It was through TNT and a bunch of things. It was 2013. And it was called Bonnie and Clyde. And it was a made-for-TV telling of the Bonnie and Clyde story. And uh, John Debney, I believe he was the one that did the music for it. But I can't seem to find it right off the friggin' bat. But anyway, um, I just, I I love some of his music. And the fact that he's the one that did the... uh, did the Scooby pup named Scooby Doo stuff was just awesome. Well, it, it when I hear a pup named Scooby Doo and I hear that, I, I hear the yeah, you know, I immediately think, okay, they did a really good job with the acapella sound. I mean, there, there's when it starts out and you hear that acapella coming in, I'm kind of like, okay, this is good. It, it's just a good beat. It, it's happy music, even though you know that it's going to be something with mystery and horror if you will mm-hmm. and I use horror very very loosely loosely yeah <laughs> uh, um let's let's go ahead here well I, I 
originally I'd kind of wanted to start with the chronological order of how they came out, but I think that actually, since we started talking about Pup Named Scooby-Doo, we're going to jump into that and really kind of talk about the cast and, and mm-hmm. how this goes and, and kind of progress as they get older. Can so. we take a quick break for a second? Yes, let's take a quick break. I will bring in the theme music to a Pup Named Scooby-Doo for everybody. Scooby-Doo-Dee, 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 Scooby-Doo-Dee. There's a mystery in town, so call the ghouls to pop around. Go oh, Scooby, pop knowing Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Ah, Join Shaggy and the crew, Daphne, Freddy, Velma too, and Scooby-Doo. Alright, folks, and we are back. You have heard the theme song to A Pup Named Scooby-Doo. Uh, I know, Mike, like you said, Mike, this is your favorite. One of them, yes. Um, I, I think why... I, I'm going to start off by saying why I didn't much care for it initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of it was that you had... Freddy was du- Freddy just acted dumb in the series. Okay, Freddy was always going off and chasing after Red Herring. Who? Come on, it, it, that was kind of a, a an added character who always showed up, and with the exception of one episode, never did what they actually said he did. Well, yeah, but that's because it's all inside jokes. It's all you know, yeah. kind of you know. <laughs> We're going to tell you the joke. You're going to look at the joke, and until you get the joke, we're going to keep putting, you know, it's one of those types of things. Oh, yeah. And, and they needed some sort of mainstay. Red's not a villain, per se, but they needed some sort of mainstay villain kind of thing that they, they needed, could use. Yeah, they needed a nemesis they, to go through. They needed a red herring. Exactly. And, I, and obviously, in, in, a, in a cartoon this light, you can't use communism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this this was it was good. It, it, like I said, though, it took a while. Some of the stuff I it had to grow on me. Mm. You know, the Jinkies. Thelma said Jinkies. She must have found a clue. That was that was a little annoying at first, and then it, it grew on me. And I was kind of like, okay, I can accept this. It's getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daphne. I love Daphne, and I hated Daphne at the same time. And part of it was because. Daphne was, she was what I would term a rich bitch. <laughs> okay, rich and snotty and knew that she had all sorts of money because daddy got everything for her that she wanted. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the cell phones that she had and all the connections and everything, which I always thought was kind of funny because this was taking place in 88 when, you know, cell phones were still incredibly expensive <laughs> for the average public to own. Yeah. Now everybody and their brothers got one. Uh, I, I I I did like it, and, and I am glad that they brought back when they when they did this 
because for a while they had taken away Velma and they had taken away um, Freddie, Freddie, and Daphne from when they had just the the Scooby and Shaggy with uh, Scrappy Doo. Mm-hmm. Okay, they they took away and they only had Shaggy, or I'm sorry, they only had Shaggy, Scooby Doo, and Scrappy Doo for a while. Mm-hmm. And I liked Freddie. I, I thought that Freddie was good because Freddie was always the one who pointed out things in the original series. And for them to take that away, it, it ruined a lot of the stuff that they had done with Scooby-Doo in that respect. Then they brought back Freddie and Velma and Daphne later mm-hmm. on within within Pup Named Scooby-Doo. And I was kind of like, okay, I, I can kind of like that. It was just the goofiness of what they had done with the characters. But see, again, you're... I, this is this is 1988. You're you're like I was eight years old back then. This was right in my wheelhouse because I had already seen Where Are You. I had already seen Thirteen Ghosts. So this to me was, and even now as an adult watching it, some of these like there's one episode where where they go down a chute, and there's a sign as they're going down the chute. It's, it's kind of like one of those Kevin Smith things where it's like, hey, kids, Mark Hamill, applause. It's the same yeah, thing. It's like, yeah. it, it's like, hey, look, a shoot gag because we're going to – like it's, it's one of those things where some people may not get a shoot gag because they never, you know – Oh, yeah. Whatever, but it's one of those things. And for me, the characterization – they're kids. They want to do kids' stuff. You know, Scooby and Shaggy, comic books, TV, video games, all that stuff. And the other three, uh, they're all more adult-ish, even though Freddy's very childish. But, I mean, Freddy, compared to Shaggy, Freddy is way more adult than Shaggy is. And Daphne, she's got... Daphne is essentially... Um, Richie Rich in this show, she yeah. really is. And yeah. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't mind it at all. I liked Richie Rich as a kid, so no problem with that. And Velma, she's off, you know, doing the scientifical things and whatever else, and being a super genius. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Halloween people, we've been eating candy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to hell with the trick or treaters. The candy's for me. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, so I mean, overall, I like the characters. Um, Red Herring is a bully. Uh, you know, he he kind of reminds me of Scott Farkas. You know, okay, now that you're saying that, I, I can totally see that. <laughs> he 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 just doesn't have his own toady with him. That's the only thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, all in all, Red doesn't really bullet like he he'll, he'll sit there and threaten Freddy, because, but it's usually because Freddy has blamed him for something that he didn't do. Oh yeah, um, you know. Uh, but I, I just I love all the monsters that they like Stinkweed and and uh, what was some of the other ones? Um, um, oh god, I love how they did the memory wipe episode with Captain Coolsville. Where Shaggy and Scooby get amnesia, and they actually think they're their comic book character favorite characters, Captain Captain Coolsville and Mellow Mutt. I loved that episode. That was so hilarious. That was one of the few that I didn't see, unfortunately. I, you I, never. I, s- oh man. No, I. You know, it's like, oh god. I, I, I'm hating to admit that, but I didn't see it. <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, but no, there there were some things that I did really like about the show. That one of them, it, it took a little while for me to get into it. Mm-hmm. Was the music gag that they had running through it? When whenever they had the monster chase, and there was one, there was one episode that I can't remember what exactly was going on. But they go, okay, you know what? Hold mm-hmm. on. This is the time for the monster chase. And, and like they, Freddie looks and he goes, monster chase? And they go, yes, monster chase. <laughs> and he goes, cue music. Yep. And at that point you see, and they've got this whole like musical theme song when they're getting chased by the monster. And it's just, it, it is so absolutely well done. And the thing about this is that whenever they'd have like the monster chase, they'd always have something really goofy going on where you would see very much Tex Avery type reactions from the characters. And what that, what I mean by that is like the eyeballs popping way out of the head. The wild takes. Yeah, exactly. You know what would, what we would consider spit takes, but they're cartoon spit takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you'd see stuff like that and that would always happen within these. And then you'd see them like grooving with the monster. And you'd see the monster dancing. It was, it was great to see it. It was hilarious. I love that. This was, um, I could be wrong here, but I think this is one of Messick's last r- runarounds with Scooby. Um, like I said, I'm not looking at, at his filmography or anything else, but it was Casey Kasem and Don Messick as Shaggy and Scooby here. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love the show the most is because it's Casey and Don yeah. doing the characters that they did 30 years ago. As far as the music goes, the actual... Um, the theme song featured lyrics by series creator Tom Ruger himself. So Tom, really, those lyrics were done by Tom. And as I already said, the music was composed by John Debney. Um, uh, but the cast, I mean, you know, just the, these characters. I, <laughs> I love... Go ahead. Let's kind of touch on some of these characters here real quick. Because some of these characters... I, I was really surprised with, with who we had. I mean, we did not... This was the only series that I know of that did not have Frank Welker as Freddy. Yeah. And that was kind of a surprise to me. But at the same time, it was okay because they were supposed to be younger kids. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was Tom Ruger's decision to not cast Frank as as Freddy, but it worked for this. Uh we had Carl Steven as Freddy. We had Kelly Martin, which shocks the hell out of me that Kelly Martin was Daphne. <laughs> you know, this is this is the girl from Life Goes On, and she's sitting mm-hmm. here doing this. And it's just kind of like, wow, okay, I guess. Uh, Christina Lang, I, I have no idea who that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did Velma, and then, of course, we had Casey and Don as Shaggy and Scooby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, looking through here, some of the others, we did have some other characters popping up, uh, supporting characters like O'Greasy, who was voiced by Charlie Adler, a.k.a. <laughs> Buster Bunny. Yeah. Uh, the future, because remember, this is 88, so the future Buster Bunny. Yes, yes. Uh, he would also go on to do things like Cow and Chicken and mm-hmm. the Big Red Guy, uh, that sort of stuff. So people who don't know that, uh, God, I'm trying to see... Those are pretty much some of the some of the big names that I'm seeing here on the back end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, like I said, when I first saw this, I was a little upset because, again, as you stated, everybody was doing the damn kitty versions. Uh-huh. I did not care for Flintstone kids. I did not care for 
I, I know this is going to be harsh, but I do not care for things like Muppet Babies. I, what way? Okay. Flintstones well, kids, I can understand. Well, wait a second here. You didn't like Muppet Babies? Okay, again, this this is some of it is initially because I was kind of like, okay, it's... You have to understand, when I first saw some of those shows, all I could think was, they're aiming at the younger crowd, the baby crowd, okay? That's mm-hmm. how I was seeing it at that time, you know, when I was coming out... It, when I was coming out into, into the cartoon shows that were all coming out at that time. Flintstone Kids, I was annoyed. Because I, I just didn't like half the characters that they put together. And I was kind of like, wait a minute, this is supposed to be before they were, you know, before they were Fred and Barney and, and you know, Wilma and Betty. They're not supposed to be married yet. And that was kind of what threw me off. And to see mm-hmm. this here, with, with me, I thought, oh, Pup Named Scooby-Doo is going to be them getting into being Mystery Incorporated. You know, and you're mm-hmm. going to see a little bit of this before type of thing. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that at all. It was this total parody of what they were actually, which I wouldn't really say that that's a bad thing because I, I, I found it funny eventually. But it was, for me, getting past that point of it's not what I expected. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why it was kind of like, oh, bummer. So... But overall, I, I, I did come to like the series, but it, as I said, it's not one of my favorites. And that's just because of what it was. Uh, it was it was that aimed at younger kids kind of feel for what I got. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, rip me to shreds so, now. No, I mean, <laughs> no. It, it's, it's one of those things where to each their own. I... I can go back now and I can watch a pup named Scooby-Doo and I have in the last few years. I remember when it first hit DVD uh, a number of years ago, you know, I've gone back and watched it and whatever else. And it, it, for me, it holds up because it's, for me, it's, it's not about nostalgia for this for me at all. It's about wanting to escape and be a kid again. And that's what that show does. Like, I always wondered, you know, what Scooby and Shaggy were like when they were kids, and now, hey, here's the you know here's this show, and it's Tom Ruger. It's Tom Ruger before Tom Ruger was Tom Ruger. People, yeah, I mean, it's Tom Ruger before Tiny Toons. It's Tom Ruger before Animaniacs, and it's just awesome. The comedy in it is amazing. I know you said you don't like the musical gags and all that, but I just I love every aspect of this show. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that. And I thought that the musical gags were great. The 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 nineteen fifties era rock style stuff that they'd have coming in, I, I thought that was absolutely cool. You know, I was like, okay, it, it took a little bit, but then I was kind of like, when they started getting into the gag of, hey, we got a monster chase, and it, it took a little bit for me to get to that point. And mm-hmm. I kind of like the fact that it, I'm going to make a reference to Phineas and Ferb. Because I kind of got that same feeling that Phineas and Ferb did that later on, where they started having every single episode had some sort of musical number in it. And I kind of mm-hmm. felt that they were taking away from that, maybe paying maybe paying a little bit of an homage to Pup Named Scooby-Doo with how they did with the chase scenes, that they would just throw a musical intro in in every episode. So With Phineas and Ferb, the show is designed to have a, one song, at least one song, in every episode. That's just the way Pav and Meyer and, and Marsh designed it. Yeah. 
Um, I, I don't necessarily think they took a cue from a pup named Scooby-Doo, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, and, and I may be way off on saying that, but I kind of felt that way. <laughs> so, let's uh, get into the other one you don't like. The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. All right, we'll go ahead. Okay, for, first of all, the best thing about this uh, uh, series was, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, there's only... Because it is the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo's. It's only 13 episodes, people. So just, you know, get off the pot when you're, you know, talking about this one. Because I I can see if they tried to continue this into more. But this is essentially its own limited series. And it's very Halloween-based. It's them chasing monsters and ghosts. And it has... Vincent Price as Vincent Van Gogh. How can you not love Flim Flam aside? How can you not love this show? Just for Vincent Price alone. Vincent Price was good. I <laughs> I liked Vincent Price. Part of it, part of it was that when I was a kid, my mom and my grandmother, my grandmother especially, used to love Vincent Price movies. Now, mm-hmm. Vincent Price during my grandmother and my mother's era. He did a lot of scary films. That's part of why he was kind of being cast for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. My grandmother sat me down one night, and she proceeded to watch the Vincent Price version of The Pit and the Pendulum. Mm-hmm. And I started watching this, and I'm like, Grandma, I'm getting scared. And, of course, you have to understand, I was probably four or five when my grandmother was watching this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, just look away, look, just look away, don't look, don't look. Well, of course, you tell a kid my age that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that age, what are you going to do? You're going to look, you know. And I see this guy getting cut in half, and Vincent Price is laughing like a lunatic. <laughs> and, and it was just creepy, and I was kind of like, I don't like Vincent Price because of that, you know. And I, because of that, I, I eventually did like him with other things that he did later on with, with Disney Channel, that he kind of became this more... Scary, but but kind of cool host for, mm-hmm. for what he was. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh worked for this. <laughs> I, I guess the part of my other problem was that Freddie and Velma weren't in this series. It right. was it was Daphne, Scrappy, Scooby, Shaggy, and then of course mm-hmm. Flim Flam, which I never understood. What happened to you know Freddie and and what happened to Freddie and Velma? They just vanished. All of a sudden, Daphne shows up. Why was mm-hmm. Daphne hanging around with them? You know, I, I got the feeling like there was this love interest between, you know, in my mind, again, being the kid that I am, that there was a love interest going on between Daphne and Shaggy. Mm. Okay, so, okay, first of all, the, uh, the love interest of Daphne and Shaggy, that, no. I know, now, I in, know. In, in a later incarnation... Um, there is Daphne and Shaggy, or not da- uh, Daphne and Fred and Velma and Shaggy, but we'll talk about that later. Um, as far as Flim Flam goes, in the Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated episode, now this is the one I just mentioned uh, that we'll talk about later. This is the um, Cartoon Network series. The episode Siren Song, Fred and Daphne come across a statue of Flim Flam in the Crystal Cove Haunted Museum, among the statues of their defeated foes. Daphne remarks that Flim Flam was arrested and received a harsh sentence of 25 years to life for being a juvenile con artist, and it is also referenced that Fred was away at camp during the events of the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Okay. 
<laughs> sure. Fred was at camp. Okay, whatever. Oh, I, I have not watched all of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. I want to, but yeah. Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated is a love letter, as far as I can tell, to the entire franchise. Um, but, yeah, that's what essentially happened to Flim Flam. Uh, 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, as I said, on its own, as a separate little series here. And Tom Ruger was also created on this one as well. I mean, Ruby and Spears had the characters, but Tom, it's listed as Tom as being the creator as well. Huh. Um, and it just, I just love, for, for a person who isn't really into the whole horror kind of thing, Having a horror thing with Scooby-Doo, and I, and I know most of the other series, like Where Are You and everything else, it's a you know mystery, ghost, whatever, but I'm just not really into a lot of the horror genre stuff. And yeah, with this, this made it, you know, when when the heck was this? This was... Um, um, 85? yeah. So... I was five years old at this point. I don't remember seeing this until maybe 86 or 87, until I was six or seven, and it, it was always something that I could watch around Halloween. Yeah. And, you know, it was, you know go out, go trick-or-treating, make sure you have your, you know, bag for the people you know, the bag for people you don't know, come home, eat the candy of the people you do know, let your parents go through the candy that you don't know, and then you watch 13 Ghosts of scooby 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo for me is among the Halloween tradition of watching. It's a great pumpkin. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I mean, it's just what it is. I know everybody can criticize the series and say, you know, oh, it didn't have those characters or it didn't have this. It didn't. It still had the magic of Scooby and Shaggy and Scrappy. Well, the, the one thing that I had an issue with was that they never really captured all 13 ghosts. They got 11 of them, and one of them was... One of them was kind of hokey. There was one that I remember seeing like three times that they ran on ABC, and it had to do with a ghost that was like involved with a TV set or something like that. It was so long ago. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, really? This is pretty stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, it it didn't really finish it off, but I I don't know. Maybe it got cut before they had a chance to. I'm not sure. I will say that I did like Weird and uh, uh, what's his name Bogle, the the two other ghosts that were in there, the the ones that they were like these bumbling fools that were going through, mm-hmm. and I really kind of liked them, just that they were that they were these two goofy ghosts who were trying to help get the thirteen ghosts out of the chest, and that was that was kind of fun. But obviously, I kind of looked at them as they're villains. I didn't care for them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like for me, the the ghost that I, I think the, out of all the ghosts that I like the most, and it goes back to Pup, is the ghost that was in that. <laughs> it was the episode where it was the old um, the old haunted uh, uh, hotel thing or whatever it was. I don't remember anyway. Um, uh, bl- you know, go blue, or I, I forget what the hell it was. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but 13 Ghosts, I, I, it's not something I can watch all the time, obviously, but especially at Halloween. Yeah. Sure, why not? Well, I do want to mention, this was 
the, the cast they had for this voice cast was actually pretty good when you look at who they had. They had Don Messick. They had Casey Kasem. They had Sue Blue for Flim Flam, which I, I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't stand Flim Flam, the character. Sue Blue, on the other hand, she was pretty awesome. I remember as soon as I heard Flim Flam and I'm like, yep, that's RC. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I I love when Sue Blue does these off. Sue Blue is to the '80s what Tara Strong is to the '90s, 2000s, and 2010s. Oh I mean, God, Sue, yes. You know, Sue Blue can do a boy's uh, a boy's voice like 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 nobody's business, just like Tara. Yeah, uh, you know. So, but yeah, we had so many people who did voices in this. I mean, just some of the additional cast members we had. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we had Phil Hartman that did a voice here for the Vacuum yeah. Spook Auctioneer. Uh, Peter Cullen, a.k.a. Optimus Prime, was Maldor the Malevolent. <laughs> uh, we had Rusi Taylor, who was doing Hilda Bruski. B.J. Ward is Marcella. I, I love this. Wait. Frank. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Frank who? I was going to say Frank Welker as Egad. And Dragon yeah. Roars. So we did actually have Freddy kind of showing up on the show a little bit. He just wasn't actually Freddy. Mm-hmm. You know who else we have in this? Skeletor. Um, I don't see him, but no. Alan Oppenheimer? What oh, he wasn't. Yeah, Pro- uh, Professor Phantasmo. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking more of Tila as Queen Morbidia. Oh, yes. Linda Gary. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, boy. Um, so, yes, we had we had quite a few, and I, I, I want to say that this was the last Hanna-Barbera one that they did that was under the Hanna-Barbera curtain. Um, uh, I could be wrong on that. I, I could be wrong. Let me, ch- let me double-check on that, because maybe it was... Was Pup named Scooby-Doo that was... Oh no! I'm sorry. Pup name Pup was under Hanna Barbera. Yeah. So it was Thirteen Ghosts. It was when it went to Cartoon Network that it stopped under the Thirteen Ghosts or the not Thirteen Ghosts. Excuse me. Oh. The uh, Hanna Barbera label, and it went to Warner Brothers Animation, and that was in right. 2001 after Hanna's death. Yeah. Yeah. My God, I I would uh, and, and I know they would be way too old at this point if they were still alive, but I would love to see what Joe and Bill. I would love to hear their opinions of the state of animation today. Oh God, they would probably see some of it as a travesty. Honestly, mm, probably I don't know. You know, all all the I, computer generation that's coming in. Why aren't people doing line art anymore? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, you, you know, you hear stories about the old Hanna Barbera days, and Andrea Romano, voice voice director extraordinaire. She, I believe, it was on one of the very first episodes of Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson that she did with him. She tells this story about <laughs> seeing the very final uh, voice performance of George Jetson. Yes. Where he essentially, I believe, I could be wrong about this, folks. I'm paraphrasing. I'm trying to remember this is right. Where he essentially died in the booth. He had a heart attack and passed away. I remember hearing that. Mm -hmm. And they were getting him to the hospital. And the man died doing what he enjoyed. Mm -hmm. 
That's dedication, folks. Oh, oh man, I would, I would so love. And obviously, I know we can't, but I, if we could, I would love to interview Don Messick. I would love oh. to. In- man, can you imagine? You know, I, if there were some way to go back in time and get Don's Don's interview, yes. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Now, since we're talking about thirteen ghosts. I have to bring up one of the reasons why I absolutely love Scrappy-Doo. Now, just bear with me. I know you're groaning over there. I can see. I can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Throughout all history of Scooby-Doo until 13 Ghosts, they're all, all, the whole cast is running. Scooby and Shaggy are scared. The rest of the gang are, you know, Daphne, Freddy, and Velma are all scared of the ghosts and whatever else. Here you have this young pup, this pup who doesn't know any better, this pup who runs into the danger. He, he wants to help Scooby face his fears and conquer his fears so Scooby isn't as scared as he normally is about the ghost. And half the time, let's face it, Scooby's ghosts end up being old man withers with a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but it's one of those things where that's why I like Scrappy. Da-da-da-da-da, puppy power. You know, that, that that's why I love that is because he's willing to be brave for the rest of the gang. Yeah, it was just there was a point where it was like, okay, Scrappy, you're getting annoying. Stop it. You know, if everybody else is running, maybe you should be, like, you know, going with them as well. And I'm going to bring up, since you brought up Scrappy-Doo at this point, I'm going to have to mention the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. It doesn't exist. exist. Right. Well, I've got to mention this because they make... This is where I really kind of hate what they've done with Scrappy-Doo. They make Scrappy-Doo into a bad guy. In the second movie. They make him transform into this hideous, like, werewolf type of thing. And I was just like, oh, God, click. I can't watch this anymore. (laughs) Okay? It's bad. It's really, really bad. And if you are a Scooby-Doo fan, you will not watch it. You will avoid it like the plague. Uh, So there there was that. Uh, I think we should probably let, let's take a quick break here and we're going to bring in some of the other music that we have here, obviously for Scooby-Doo. Where are you? Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby-Doo, I see you, pretending you got silver. You're not here with me, cause I can't see the way you shake and shiver. You know we got a mystery to solve, so Scooby-Doo, be ready for your act. Don't hold back. And Scooby-Doo, if you come through, you're gonna have yourself a Scooby snack. That's a fact. All right, folks, so you've heard the theme song. I want you to know that there has been 
this, this is, every time I hear this one, I know exactly what's coming on. I can hear the first five notes and go, I know what it is. That, mm-hmm. you know, hearing the bats, hearing the music, the, that tone. and then Hell, you don't even need the music. You just hear the bats and you just know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's and every kid from the 80s watched this show. I, I don't care who you are, you watched it. Whether it was on reruns in the morning on, you know, your local affiliate or whether you watched it on the you know on Saturday morning cartoons on ABC mm-hmm. or, or CBS wherever they had it airing, you knew what this was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the thing too is that this ran. This actually started before I was born. This started in 1969. This yeah, year. this started before most of us were most of the geek generation of the 80s. Huh? And see, that's the thing, like. Don't get me wrong. I love Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? But as a kid in the 80s, I thought it was, like, concurrent. I thought it, I thought it was running at the same time as I was growing up. I didn't realize it was yeah. reruns from the 60s and 70s. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. And, you know, how many kids in the 80s started watching the show and going, oh, cool, you know, they've got, they, they've got some of the stuff, and I'm going to make references later on because... They did spool off of this into the the new Scooby Doo movies, and they put in things like Batman and Robin, and they put in the Three Stooges, and you know Don. They and put Knox. in the Adams Family. Yes, the Adams Family one is one of the best Scooby Doo movies of all. The Adams Family, Harlem Globetrotters, Batman and Robin with the Joker and Penguin. Um, you know, all just absolutely awesome. And since we're talking about uh, uh, Scooby-Doo movies, did you know in 2013 DC Comics started a ongoing digital series called Scooby-Doo Team Up? No. Yes. They, um... <laughs> Scooby-Doo Team Up is, uh, let's see, join Scooby and the gang in all new adventures, solving all new cases when they work together. Any mystery is sure to be solved, but when they make new friends along the way, the Team Up for Justice is always exciting. This is written by Sholy Fish. Uh, it's art's done by various people, like the first five or six issues, I think it's Dario Brizuela, but the fir- how they do it is they do it in two-part team-ups, so... The first two parts is Batman and Robin with Scooby-Doo. The next two parts is Batman uh, with with Scooby-Doo. Then you have Batmite and Scooby-Doo. Then oh, you have the, then you have Teen Titans Go and Scooby-Doo. Then you have Wonder Woman and Scooby-Doo. Then you have Superman, Wonder Woman, and and Bat. You basically have the Justice League with Scooby-Doo. You have Scooby-Doo and the Flintstones for two-parter, and then Scooby-Doo and the Jetsons for another two-parter. Okay, so then you've got uh, Scooby-Doo and Superman. Uh, You've got Scooby-Doo and Johnny Quest. And then after Scooby-Doo and Johnny Quest's two-parter, you have Scooby-Doo and Secret Squirrel. The current one that they're just now doing, uh, issue digital issues 23 and 24, what happens when Scooby-Doo teams up with Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy? <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> this comic series is amazing. I've wanted to get more into it uh, with the pull bag. I just haven't had time. Um, I want to eventually do all the Hanna-Barbera issues, like the ones I just mentioned, Secret Squirrel, Johnny Quest, uh, Flintstones, Jetsons, all that, and I will eventually, but... 
this series is amazing. It's so awesome, and that really lends itself to the team-up thing. Um, it's just absolutely awesome. Well, let's kind of go back. I, I want to start talking, because a lot of people, I, I know we've jumped around a little bit, starting with Pup and going to 13 Ghosts. I, I, I want to focus on where everything kind of came from as to the background behind Scooby-Doo. Obviously, we started talking here. We mentioned that this was born out of an idea from 1969, so it's been going on for forever and a day. I thought I thought initially that this was Hanna-Barbera Productions, and it was, but Ruby Spears, Joe Ruby, Ken Spears were the writers who originally created this, and they did a lot of other things, uh, the Herculoids, uh, God, I'm trying to think. Goldie Gold. Uh, I, I'm really dating myself by naming off some of these shows. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that I remember them and people are going to be like, "Huh?" <laughs> Trust me. You if you were a kid in in the late '70s, early '80s, you remember seeing Ruby Spears with and the Hanna Barbera star that would swirl out. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love that star. Um, if we're really counting Scooby-Doo, where are you at 1969? It's 46 years old this year. Jesus. And, and <laughs> throughout, there is, one, there is one thing, with the exception of Pup named Scooby-Doo, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. Frank Welker has done the voice. He's the oh. only one who's carried the voice all the way through from start mm-hmm. to finish, with the exception of Pup. And it makes sense when you think about it with how, how Pup yeah. was supposed to be younger. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure Frank could have done a younger Freddie Jones, but I see that's the thing. It's like that's why I love um, that's why I love that they got somebody else. That like I, when I, even even as a kid, I was like, okay, that's not the same Freddie, but it doesn't matter because that's you know voices change. You know, kids yeah. go through puberty. You know, you know what I mean, and all this and all that and everything else. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't mind it wasn't the Frank Welker or Freddie Jones because that's I assume okay that's what what he's going to be when he's an adult. Yeah, you know. So well, and Don Messick and and Casey Kasem being Shaggy and Scooby that was perfect. I I couldn't see anybody else doing it at that time, and I'm glad that they at least kept it up and we got this. They were able to do a younger version. Yeah, you know. We already had that thing, that episode last year, talking about Casey, and yeah. that was an overall thing, you know, memorializing his his passing. But I mean, Casey Kasem, that man. It didn't matter how old he was; it seemed he would always come back and do Shaggy. Yeah. Um, he actually he, redid it back. He he actually did. I want to say in two thousand nine, he came back one last time to do it. Mm-hmm. And voice Shaggy, and after that in 2010 we had Matthew Lillard who took over. And see, here's the thing: Matthew Lillard was Shaggy in the movie, right? Originally in the first Scooby Doo movie. Oh yeah. See, I don't mind Matthew Lillard as Shaggy because I think he's the natural evolution of Casey. Like, yeah, he's. I mean, technically. Matthew Lillard has been playing a version of Shaggy since 1995 with Hackers and Serial Killer. Oh, God, yes. I mean, come on. He's perfect for the role. Um, Just absolutely amazing. Now, the thing with Casey Kasem, 
Uh, I do want to mention he the last according to this the la okay he did do one more uh, he was in five episodes after retirement in a in Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated he played Shaggy's dad Colton Rogers that's right so he is in the news the the well it's now gone at this point it's two years gone removed but Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated that almost deserves its own episode at some point or I may do something with it for Tooncast Beyond because I, I do want to really go back and, and watch that because that's the show that um, puts Freddy uh, puts uh, Daphne uh, shit <laughs> Velma puts Velma and Shaggy in a relationship and it's almost like a threesome between Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby because Shaggy prefers to just hang out with Scooby than actually be in a relationship with Velma. Ew. <laughs> Sorry, just thinking about that. No, Ew. I'm not saying that. <laughs> God. I, I know, know I know, I know, I know, but that's the image that came okay, to my head. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Think of it this way. How long, and I'm going to get a little personal here, so you can cut this out if you want to. How long did you date your wife before she became your wife? Because I know you didn't just go on to eHarmony and immediately you guys just got married. Three years. Okay, so you dated her for three years. In any of that time of the three years, did you have a best friend that was always... that? that, that that's where I'm coming from here. You know, you've got, you know... Think of... Uh, okay, not using you. I'll, I'll use Boy Meets World. Corey and Topanga and Sean. That's essentially where the, yeah. the Velma, Shaggy, Scooby friendship, what, whatever. That's yeah. what I see. You know what I, mean? I, I get it. It's it, it, it <laughs> one of those things. That was the first thought that came to my head. You said three, so I'm like, oh. No. I, I know, I know, I know. The, the companionship, the camaraderie, I get it. Wait, 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 wait. He was the, oh, I gotta catch that episode. Casey did the voice of Shaggy on an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> oh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an episode called Sabrina Unplugged. Oh, we're going to have to look for that. <laughs> it's on Hulu, yes. I think. Um, but no, I mean, you know, Casey as Shaggy, Don Messick as Scooby. There's no two better people to be voicing those characters in Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Um, and this show, I mean, I, you know, we already mentioned the theme song. Um, oh, I gotta mention this. Originally, they were mm-hmm. going to call this the Mysteries 5. The, 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 the gang, the Scooby gang was going to be called the Mysteries 5. And they were going to be performing music at gigs. And no. if they weren't performing music at gigs, they were going to be out solving spooky mysteries involving ghosts, zombies, and other supernatural creatures. Now, here's the kicker for it, is that Scooby was originally a dog named Too Much. And they were they couldn't decide whether they he should be in this large cowardly dog or a small feisty dog. Huh. huh. Yes, we now know where Scrappy came from. Hey, leave Scrappy alone. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying. We now know they were yeah. trying to decide. Scrappy came later because of that. Makes sense. That's all. So, one of the coolest things about the Scooby-Doo franchise is when you have a mystery 
centered around him specifically with his family. That was awesome. <laughs> because you had his parents, you had Scooby-Doo, um, you, you, you had all this cool stuff. Um, but the Scooby-Doo movies, you know, along with Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Those were my bread and butter for this franchise back in the 80s as a kid. Oh, yeah. I, I, and again, you've got Casey pulling double duty because he's Robin and Shaggy. Yep. I, I mean, that's just amazing. I was, I, I will, I will say that probably it was really kind of weird for this because when you look at a lot of the stuff that came about for the Scooby Doo movies, you started seeing. It was like they knew that this that Scooby Doo was lightning in a bottle, in a sense, because you started seeing all these actors coming out to star in, you know, to guest star on Scooby Doo movies. Yeah. We saw Don Knotts. We saw Don Adams. You know, as an exterminator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was great. Uh, Batman and Robin. Uh, Speed Buggy actually showed up. I remember that at one point. Sandy Duncan. Uh, and like every episode that they did of the Scooby-Doo movies, they had somebody new and they would say, this week it's so-and-so starring in the Sco- the new Scooby-Doo movies. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was pretty cool. I mean, you know, Phyllis Diller, Cass Elliot. Oh, I will never forget that. Cass Elliot being the big, you know, big fat woman. There, They were having problems with her getting caught and stuck in, in a door or something like that, which... I know it's not supposed to be funny. Fat people are not supposed to be funny in that respect, but I couldn't help but laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all sorts of stuff that they put together for that was was great. Even when they did it in reruns, and I would watch it on what is now known as UPN. Um, CW. Uh, yeah, well, CW. It, it was UPN. God, this shows my age. It, I can't <laughs> even... It was K... KTTV 13 out of Los Angeles, and every morning they would show uh, syndicated cartoons on there mm. in the mornings when I was going to school in the 80s. And that it came out of LA, that was how I got most of my cartoons because that's what we had on the West Coast. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will never forget seeing all this stuff and watching. I would get up at like 6 in the morning to watch. Scooby-Doo, you know, while I'm eating my Cheerios and whatnot in the mornings. And it was just, it was so cool. I remember, okay, I got to watch this and see what happens before mm-hmm. I go to school. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that they came up with afterwards, they were really hokey. Like, when you see Scooby and, and Shaggy and the Laugh Olympics and... But see, I loved Laugh Olympics because that was, Laugh Olympics was... All of Hanna-Barbera coming together. Yeah. And it was good for what it was, because you always, you almost always saw the, uh, you know, the red team and the blue team, Scooby's team, or all the good red, guys getting the points. The red, yeah. The, the red team was the Yogi Yahoo's, Scooby's blue team was the Scooby Doobies. Hi, Jay and Silent Bob. Um... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the uh, the green team was the really rotten. It was all the bad guys. Um, when Scooby Doo Where Are You came to a complete series DVD release, 
Five years ago, this November 9th. Oh my god, it's been five years since this was released. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The Complete Series, Limited Edition Mystery Machine DVD Packaging. <laughs> oh jeez, I remember seeing that. Uh, it is just simply amazing. So, I will move from that just a little bit because the next thing that we had after the Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? and Scooby-Doo uh, movies... We had Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> Scooby and Scrappy-Doo, yeah. And Scooby, like, Scrappy showed up. I remember Scrappy kind of showing up for a couple of episodes with all of the gang. And mm-hmm. it was kind of like he was there, and they were like, Scrappy, don't do that type of thing. You know, you, you can't run away. You can't chase after the monster type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was it was okay. It was when everybody else went away, and I kind of went, they're focusing on Scrappy-Doo and Scooby and Shaggy. And at that point, it was like they were really meeting monsters. It was not... That was that was where it really got annoying, was that they weren't dealing with people dressed up as, you know, a ghost trying to scare away people at the Haunted Fun Park, you know, the Haunted Amusement Park, whatever. Uh, you know, they weren't trying to do that. I kind of went, wow, this really kind of sucks. Yeah, and that's what I didn't like. That's where I really kind of became this whole hatred of Scrappy Doo. Was because I'm like, this show is shit. With you know, they they take away everybody. They bring in Scrappy Doo, and they make him try to be the focus of what Freddie and Velma and, and Daphne were. This is and, shitty. A, and after the first time around with Scooby and Scrappy Doo. They did the new Scooby and Scrappy Doo, and then after that was Thirteen Ghosts and a pup named Scooby Doo. And then, in from '87 to now, there was telefilms, reruns, and direct-to-video films. There are a ton of things: uh, Scooby-Doo and the Alien Invaders, Scooby-Doo and Zo- Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Um, I think my favorite one out of these uh, individual films actually came in um, 2001 was Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. That was really cool. I, I'm uh, gonna be I'm gonna be really bad about this, but after Scooby and Scrappy Doo, mm-hmm. I saw Thirteen Ghosts. I saw Pup Named Scooby Doo. That was pretty much where it stopped. And it okay. don't get me wrong, it was wasn't because I didn't want to see it. It was just like I didn't want to go out and buy Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. I didn't want to mm-hmm. buy you know see, the movies. I I didn't want to buy them. I saw them when they hit Cartoon Network and Boomerang and all that, you know, Boomerang Theater and all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So, so I mean, for me, like Scooby Doo and the Cyber Chase, it's this. Uh, these movies are really a simple, simple premise. It's a, it's the standard Scooby Doo thing. But what was so cool was it was based on this guy named Eric. He was creating this video game that starred the Scooby Gang. But the and and eventually. It's it's essentially Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase, ladies and gentlemen, is essentially Scooby-Doo. What would happen if Scooby-Doo and Tron made a baby? It's basically one of those things where this guy creates this video game. The characters get sucked into the game, but they meet their in-game characters. And the in-game characters... So, so essentially, it's two Scooby teams. So it's Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby. But... The in-game characters look like their older costumes, like their old, like what what the 
the guy that developed the game knew them like five or six years before the actual events of the. So it was a really cool thing. Um, the kids WB years, it was what's new Scooby Doo. I've never seen an episode of that. I have no interest. Scooby Shaggy and Scooby Doo get a clue. Nope. Yeah. Like I like I said before, Scooby Doo Incorporated was. Um, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated uh, premiered on Cartoon Network April 5th, 2010, the first Scooby series produced for cable television. Mystery Inc. is a reboot of the franchise, reestablishing the characters' relationships, personalities, and locations, and expanding their world to future their, feature their parents, high school, and neighbors. The series also borrowed pieces from many parts of Scooby-Doo's long history, as well as characters and elements of other Hanna-Barbera shows to form its backstory. Uh, you know, there's... Um, Obviously, Matthew Lillard was brought over as Shaggy. Uh, Welker, uh, Cohn, and Delisle continued in their respective roles as Fre- uh, Freddie and all them. Oh, I, uh, I have to mention this, too, because I just saw this. Mm-hmm. Gray Delisle posted on her Facebook. I, I just about died laughing when I saw this. Mm-hmm. She posted up and said, you know what would be great to dress up as for Halloween? <laughs> I really want to go and dress up as a character from Scooby-Doo. And run around and pull everybody else's masks off. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and I went, you know, mm-hmm. you probably could. You could get away with that. Dress she, up as Daphne. She could. Yeah, she could. Dress up as Daphne and run around and do the voice. It'd be perfect. <laughs> the basic premise of this uh, still follows the basic mystery-solving format of its predecessors while it was broadcast as 52 Chamber animated telenovela and included elements similar to live-action mystery adventure shows such as Buffy the Vampire, Slayer, and Lost. Uh, an overarching mystery surrounding the gang's hometown of Crystal Cove, California, became the series' main story arc, with pieces to the mystery unfolding episode by episode also featured were romantic entanglements, interpersonal conflict between the lead characters, and the series ran for 52 episodes over two seasons, with a three-part finale airing across April 4th and 5th of 2013, three years from the debut. I, I do want to see this. I think it's... I do want to go back and watch uh, Mystery Incorporated. Uh, it is on Netflix. Oh, I okay. Both, I believe both seasons are on there. After that, we had Be Cool, Scooby-Doo. This happened in 2014. Uh, the show features the gang living it up in the summer after the gang's senior year of high school. Along the way, they run into monsters and mayhem. The series premiered October 5th, 2015 on Cartoon Network. So it's a new... Uh, new series. Yeah, uh, like what? Four weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Something yeah, like something yeah. like that. Yeah, As of this recording. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, you had some more DVD stuff, but the the DVD stuff is just so silly. It really like the the current direct to video episodes are just so silly. Like yeah. You know, don't get me wrong, folks. I love Scooby-Doo, and I love the WWE. And it was kind of cool seeing the mashup and Scooby-Doo goes to WrestleMania, whatever the hell that was called, but yeah. it really didn't work. <laughs> I heard that I heard that they did an episode with Kiss as well, which didn't work very well yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I kind of wanted to see it just because I wanted to see how Kiss was going to be portrayed, and... Mm-hmm. Kiss had actually done back in like the late 70s, early 80s, they actually did a Kiss movie where they were running around in supposedly a haunted amusement park. And it was it was this whole bad joke. And they actually tied kind of tied that in with 
uh, Kiss Saves Santa in an episode of Family Guy. So you kind of get that going along, and I, I was like, oh my god, Scooby-Doo is actually doing this? Oh, dear lord. <laughs> so it, it's kind of one of those things of, I know it's going to be a train wreck, but I still want to look. <laughs> the sad thing is, there was going to be another one after WrestleMania uh, and Kiss and all that. There was going to be another one with Hulk Hogan, but I think they've scrapped that considering what's happened with him. Yeah, hopefully, you know, he got yeah. caught with his pants down. We don't need to see any more of him. Well, he didn't, he didn't caught with his pants down. He got caught with his mouth open and saying stuff he shouldn't have. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, no, I, I, I still can go back and watch a lot of the Scooby movies, a lot of the Scooby episodes. Um, like I said, my favorites are the Scooby-Doo movies and more specifically a pup named Scooby-Doo because it, in the world that we're living in, we all need to go back and realize what it was like to be a kid again. And that's yeah. what a pup named Scooby-Doo does. Yeah. It, it was just fun. And it was, it was a lot of stuff about it. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody who saw it always thought that, hey, it was really easy to just rip a mask off of somebody's head to reveal old man Jenkins that was one, you know, haunting the house. Uh, we got this... Scooby-Doo has become so ingrained into pop culture. We got it showing up in Wayne's World. You know, they, they did the Scooby-Doo ending. <laughs> Scooby-Doo ending. We all know that. We all yeah. laugh about it. Yeah. Like, we're really going to end the movie like this. Dude, let's do the Scooby-Doo ending. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and you had... You had in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they referred to everybody as the Scooby Gang. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, a, a podcast that I listened to, um, uh, it's called After Buzz TV. It's their Flash After Show. They basically go in every week and review that night's episode of, of a TV show and the Flash version. They call the Flash Gang from the 2014 TV series the Scooby Gang. And I'm like, okay, season season one, I can kind of see it, but after season one, now being in season two, no, no, don't stop. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, we, they're, they're evolving. It's getting, yeah, there's a lot of people, but it's getting much better, much darker. And that's a whole other podcast for us to cover. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, Scooby-Doo, we had, <laughs> I, I still have to laugh, Shaggy's real name, Norval Shaggy <laughs> Rogers. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, we, we all know that there's little things about Scooby-Doo. As we watch it today, we kind of go, look, Scooby and Shaggy were potheads. They joke about that. We, you know, we, we all joke about that. We all know because Shaggy and Scooby had the munchies. Bottom line. Yeah, but see, you know, and, and, and I'm sure the animators of the old series would say, oh, you know, just like the Looney Tunes director said, oh, we made these for adults. We didn't make them for kids. And that's all well, good, and fine. But I still like to believe that there's some sort of wholesomeness to Scooby. And, you know. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Although there was, and I'm going to have to find it and put it in here. There was a video clip which I just about died laughing, and I think it came from, well, yeah, it would have come from Mystery Incorporated. There's a bit where they talk about, where Scooby and Shaggy talk about how they stocked up on all this food in the back of the Mystery Machine. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, Daphne and Velma and Freddie all turn around and go, what do you mean? Where's all our clothes? And, and Shaggy looks at him and goes, really? We wear the exact same <laughs> outfits every single day. Yeah. And, and they actually do this. It's hilarious. When I saw mm-hmm. it, I'm like, oh my God, they actually called him out on this. Yep. And so I'm going to have to find it and put that clip in here because it's just, it's too good to pass up. Mm-hmm. There's so many boxes, I can't even see the luggage. Luggage? You didn't pack the luggage? Of all the food-induced insane things you two have done, this absolutely takes the cake. Mmm, cake. I mean it! Like, what's the big deal? We all wear the same outfits every single day anyway. Yeah, you gotta admit it. He does have a point. Hmm. Yeah, but Scooby overall, I mean... It's just timeless. It really is. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody can see everybody can see Shaggy walking around in a green shirt and, you know, brown pants, basically brown corduroy pants, and we all know we all love it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's not going to change. Fred with an ascot, he's always going to have that ascot. <laughs> you know, Velma's always going to have that orange shirt and red skirt. Daphne's always going to be in purple. Exactly. You're always going to see that. Yeah. You know, even when... Even in the horrible live-action movies that they did, there were jokes about Freddy wearing the ascot. Yeah, I... I I know, I know. I just... Those movies, like, why did we need those movies? Don't get me wrong. Any other film, I love Freddy Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. But the fact of the matter is I believe they were still dating or whatever during that and having them as Fred and Daphne you got Buffy the fucking vampire slayer as Daphne Blake are you kidding me come on yeah oh god yeah it was it was pretty bad but i don't know there there were still things that i liked about about the series you know and it's it's i mean well yeah the series yes but the movies no yeah. come on now yeah I I, mean, I I know that there's people out there who are going to listen to this and go, oh my god, I can't believe you're basing on the film. My kids loved it. You know what? Mm. If your kids love it, your kids love it. I'm sorry. Show them something better. Show them where are you. Show them anything. <laughs> yes. I mean, the the best part about the films was that we got Matthew Lillard's performance. Yeah, and then we got him to be Shaggy as as Casey was 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 retiring. Yeah, that is probably the best thing to come out of that series. Yeah, that, the live action movies. Everything else was horrible. So we'll just leave it at that. All right. So I think that that's pretty much it for this episode of talking yeah. about my generation. We want to wish everybody a happy Halloween because that's when we're recording. It is Halloween night here in California and. You know, out in Kentucky where Mike is. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Uh, we will have this episode up. It's. I know you guys probably won't hear it until after, you know, in November. So think of it as a treehouse of terror to, to kind of link to Simpsons. I know that's bad, but. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you have anything that's coming up on GeekCast Radio Network? 
Oh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. Just head over to geekcastradio.com and check out all the content. We're in the middle of a site redesign at this point. So, but we've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. We uh, it's just way too much content for me to even talk about everything. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening. Please go out and check us out at mygenerationpodcast.com. Leave us some message there. If you want to email us, you can reach us at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. We want to thank everybody for listening, and please give us your comments. Tell us what you think of us. Even if you hate us, we want to hear it. I'm still waiting for bad feedback to come back, because <laughs> I want to rip it to shreds and laugh. We all do. We all want to hear that. <laughs> Uh, honestly at this point for me podcasting I just do it because I enjoy it if people listen oh, yeah. great if people don't li- you know it's no sweat off my back if, I would love to have some feedback whether it's positive or negative but I mean I'm oh, I'm so I'm 35 fucking years old I'm so over not getting any feedback for the content that I produce <laughs> oh yeah you know what it's we do it because we love this we do it yeah. for free and we talk about stuff that we're interested in because it's just so much fun to do it. And we don't constantly throw it in the listener's face that, hey, we're giving you free content. I mean, I spend, in a given week, I spend maybe 96 hours or more doing stuff for geekcastradio.com, whether that's recording, editing, writing posts, whatever. So, don't get me wrong. I love doing it. It's my website. Well, it's mine and Steve's website. It's it's our podcast network, you know, and we, we enjoy the hell out of it. But, you know, every now and then it's kind of nice to hear from people. But if we don't, hey, we're still going to do it because we still enjoy it. So Exactly. And that's the fun. So yep. thank you for listening. You guys have a great night, and I think I'll close this out with Matthew Sweet's version of Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo-Doo, where are you? we got some work to do now. Scooby-Doo-Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby-Doo, I see you. Pretending you 